We sang that hymn 41 years ago when I was ordained. We sang that same hymn 13 years ago when my son Jonathan was ordained. I like to sing it once a year because you too are ordained for ministry. You are to proclaim the gospel of our Lord and Savior in the midst of good times and bad, and you are that one particular verse. You are to try and address by your kindness the human needs that you see around you. Ordained for the ministry, each of you, and that song is a reminder. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth, week number six of Red Sea Rules, may the words of my mouth, meditation of the hearts listening online or here in this sanctuary, may they be acceptable in your sight, blessed by your Spirit, in our Savior's name. Amen. Red Sea Rule number six. This weekend, your small groups, your private studies, your family studies. Red Sea Rule number six. When unsure, take the next step by faith. There's a bit of irony here. When unsure, take the next step by faith. The irony is that three weeks ago we are told, wait upon the Lord. Don't take the next step. Wait upon the Lord. Psalm 27, 13, I'm confident of this. I shall behold the goodness of God in the land of the living. Be still and wait upon the Lord. We're told that three weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago we're told that we ought to pray. During this time of quiet as you're waiting for the Lord to act, You are praying to Him. And when the time of quiet has come to an end and you start hearing the whisperings of God, then you pray again. And you say, "Pray, Lord, give me the timing, give me the wisdom, give me the direction as to when I'm to pick up these feet and start moving forward. Time of waiting has come to an end. The time of prayer has come to an end. And now, take the next step. Exodus 14, verse 15. Listen carefully to the wording. The Lord God said to Moses, Enough of your prayer. God literally said to Moses, The time of prayer is ended. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Moses, let the light of your faith shine before them that they may see your confidence and trust in Jehovah God. And then with your voice, you command the Israelites to move forward into the waters. And when you hold up your shepherd's staff over the waters, those waters will be divided. And one step after another, they shall walk through on dry grounds. Tell the people the time of prayer is over. Move forward. My question is this. What if you can't move forward? What if the storm, uh, the fire, the flood... What if the Red Sea in your life was so massive or is currently so massive? What if it was a 9.5 on the Richter scale? 
When it was a Category 5 hurricane that came slamming into your life and leaves that life devoid of power, what if that Red Sea has taken so much out of you and the force of that storm was so powerful that you literally can't move? Isaiah describes it, the 40th chapter, 29th verse, I use it often. Even young men grow tired and weary when the storms come with sufficient force. Even youths stumble and fall when the storm has taken everything out of them. What do you do then when the terrain you have to navigate has so many crevices and sinkholes and quicksand and so much deep mud that you seemingly can't take the next step. And what if combined with the unstable ground you're trying to navigate and the murky waters that you're wading through and the foul air that you're trying to breathe, what if there's no strength left? What if physically, because of what is going on emotionally and mentally, what if physically... You can't move. I've always speculated on the prodigal son. He's lying there in that muddy field, rain coming down upon him, so I picture. And he's trying to hit the snout of the pig because they're both fighting for that corn cob. And I've often pictured the prodigal son lying there And if some good Samaritan were to come by and look at him there, maybe they would have had to look twice to see if he's still alive. He's got no strength left. He's wasted all of his inheritance. He's got no father to turn to. He's got no brother. He's got no one. He's wasted everything. And the profligacy of his lifestyle has left him ruined. What do you do in that state? You listen for a voice. And the voice will be God's. As the prodigal son is lying there half dead, barely able to move, he hears a whisper in his ear. And the whisper says two words. The whisper says, your father... And the prodigal son, he just doesn't respond. There's nothing left in him. And the voice whispers again, Your father, God isn't loud when he tells you to take the next step. If you're going through a storm, God is never loud when he tells you to take the next step. He knows the weakness of your state. And when he comes in the realm of healing... And he begins to lift you up ever so slowly. He won't yell at you. He won't shout at you. It'd be a whispered voice. Elijah's sitting out there in the desert and he wants God to take his life. And he says, I've got nothing left in me. I've done everything for you. There's no one left in the land except for me. And God sends him to that mountain. And a fire comes and it's very loud, but God's not in the fire. And an earthquake comes, and a great wind comes, but God's not in them. 
And Elijah comes out that one particular morning and he stands there and he feels a gentle breeze. And in that gentle breeze, there is a voice of God saying to Elijah, I am still with you, Elijah. It is time to come down off the mountain. Take the next step, Elijah. Go and serve the kingdom. Prodigal son listens to the whisper, your father. He begins to blink his eyes, begins to move his hands and feet, begins to try and stand up. I always love to picture a good Samaritan coming along, helping this young man. And as he begins to rise to his feet, he thinks of his father. But Satan comes and he whispers pretty loud, to the prodigal son, he says, your father will have nothing more to do with you. You took the inheritance. There is no part of you connected with your father anymore. Just lie down again, prodigal son. And he lies down again, and God's whisper comes again. He says, your father, and he adds a word, forgives. Your father forgives. And the boy stands up, and he's ready to take the journey back to his father, And Satan whispers and says, it's 300 miles away. You can barely move. How are you going to cover 300 miles? And the boy wants to stop again. And God whispers a third time, your father forgives and I will give you strength. When God whispers to you to take the next step, he will give you the strength to do what he's asked you to do. I've said a hundred times in 32 years amongst you, he will never ask you to do something you can't do. And when he whispers to you to take the next step, he will give you the strength. Abraham Lincoln's four-year-old son, Eddie, dies. He is left a dead man. Eleven years later, his boy, third son, Willie, dies. And he just can't barely move anymore. The Civil War is already going on. Every soldier that dies, his enemies say, every soldier that dies, Abraham Lincoln, their blood is upon you. Uh, Sounds familiar. He has the weight of the Civil War upon him. His second boy has died. And he lays down for a long, long time. And when he gets up again, he writes these famous words. In this world of ours, sorrows come to all. And they often come with deepest agony. Relief is not possible save for the passage of time. In the midst of the storm, you can hardly believe that you'll ever feel better. But that is not the truth. You will be lifted to joy again. Knowing this will help you somehow with your current state of being. I have enough experience to make this statement. I've said it 900 times, the number of funerals that I've had. I've said it 900 times. God will hold you on level ground 
And then he will whisper to you. And you will begin to take the next step. Back in the 70s, when we were all young, there was a poem that became quite well known. It was a poem uh, about a man up in heaven. And he's looking down with God upon his life. The poem is called Footprints in the Sand. Do you remember it? The man is looking down upon his life and he said, God, I, I saw two sets of footprints down there, mine and yours, and we're walking together for many, many years. And all of a sudden, God, uh, there was only one set of footprints, my footprints. Why did you leave me, God? There were great storms going on at that time in my life and you just kind of disappeared and I was walking by myself. And then later on I saw two sets of footprints again, God. Why did you leave me during the most difficult time and then come back again? Remember what God said to him. He said, I never left you. The single set of footprints are not your footprints, they're mine. And during that time, during those storms, I was carrying you because you could not walk. And then when that period was done, I set you back down again. And you and I walked hand in hand all the way to heaven. Take the next step. Let me ask you this question. How can you trust that the next step is directed by God? How do you know the next step is not directed by Satan? How do you know it's directed by God? If you ever had on your bucket list to climb Mount Everest, good luck to you. It would cost you about $125,000 to get that bucket list item taken care of. And if you want to climb Mount Everest, you have to have a Sherpa guide. They'll cost you about $50,000. But the Sherpa guide will make sure that every place you put your foot, every next step you take will be absolutely safe. Because that's what you pay them for. How do you know that the next step you take when God whispers to you, how do you know it will be safe? Psalm 139. O Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down because something has come into my life robbing me of strength. And you know when I rise up again. You know when I leave one circumstance behind, perhaps good days, and enter a new circumstance, perhaps the storm. You are behind me, you are in front of me, you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to understand. And then verse 16. All the days and all the events ordained for my life were written in your book, before one of them came to be. How do you know the next step is safe? Because it's our Lord. You don't pay him anything 
He paid the price by dying on that cross that he might what? That he might lead us to God. The things that separate us from God, our sins, our fears, our worries, our shames, our guilt, they are paid the price for on that cross. And there is nothing now that separates us from God. He directs our steps. He broke your heart. You've gone together for nine years. Had the date on the calendar for the wedding finally. And all of a sudden he was gone. Had met someone else. It's ten years later. And God has brought many a person into your life. And for every single one of them you said, can't trust you. My trust in a member of the opposite sex will never be the same. And now you come walking into the pastor's office and you say, this individual is very, very special, but the closer I get to him emotionally, the more fearful I become because what happened ten years ago I shall never forget. It scarred me for life. I said, do you suppose that God is whispering to you to take the next step? She said, I feel that way. I said, what hinders you? She said, fear. I said, where does fear come from? Does it come from God or does it come from Satan? She said, it comes from Satan. I said, who's stronger in you? God or Satan? She said, why, God is stronger than Satan is. I said, if God were sitting here in this office right next to us, and he was whispering to you to take the next step and let this individual become part of your life and let your fears and worries dissipate, would you listen to God? She said, if God was sitting here, I'd listen to him. And I held up the Bible. And I said, God speaks to you 7,000 promises. It's time to take the next step. As five years ago, they celebrated their fourth wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago. They're doing fine. He had worked at the company for 28 years. And they had a new boss come in. And within a week after the new boss came in, he was already telling his wife, I won't be here much longer. He's going to clear the deck and he's going to bring in his new people from his old company. And that's exactly what happened. He was so depleted of energy, he was hospitalized for a brief time. Over the next three years, he had many job offers, but that knife in his back had sunk so deep that he just couldn't respond to any offers. A conversation with one of his Christian friends 
convinced him that God's power was in him, not Satan's. And that it was God, it was God, it was God opening these doors. And he took the next step. You didn't get into the college you wanted to. That's because God didn't want you there. Your next step was somewhere else. You had tried for six, seven, eight years to have a baby. You said, this will be the last shot. We've spent so much time, energy, and money on this. This will be our last shot. This will be the last step we take in that direction. And we have Harrison right over here. Your next step. You've been down long enough. God's whispering like crazy. Do you hear his voice? Closing word. Two-year-old girl stands by the side of a pool. Her father says, jump. Don't be afraid. You can trust me. I won't let you fall. I won't let you drown. Jump into my arms. She is uh, in great conflict. She's only two years old. On the one hand, everything inside of her is screaming, stay put, don't jump into the water. The water is deep and cold and dangerous. She's never done it before. She can't swim. What if something were to go wrong? Bad things do happen. After all, it's her little body at stake. On the other hand, it's her dad in the water. He's bigger and stronger than she is, and he's been trustworthy up to this point for the past two years. He seems to be confident about the outcome. The battle is between fear and trust. Trust says, jump. My father will protect me. Fear says, don't jump, stay right where you are. She can't stand by the side of the pool forever. Eventually, she comes to the moment of decision. If she jumps, her faith has won. And one would pray that throughout the entirety of her life, she would show the courage that faith in her father brings her. If she doesn't jump, will that become her nature? Timid and fearful over every decision that she shall ever make. Second Timothy 1.7 from last week. God does not give his children a spirit of fear. He gives them a spirit of power and of love and of self-control over your fears. Is it a job? Is it your health? Is it a relationship? God is whispering to you to take the next step. Closing word, I promise. I met Joliet yesterday for an hour with Al Willie and his wife Colleen. Al Willie is under hospice care. In two or three days, he'd be in heaven. And I listened to one of the most profound sermons from this man. 
as I sat there. He said to his wife, We've had a good number of years together. And he replayed so many of the things they had done. And then at the close of the conversation, he said to her, It's time for me to take the next step. It's time for me to go into his arms. And I'll see you again soon. Even if it's this matter of death, there are eight people in this congregation under hospice care right now, including Elwilly. Even if that next step is to leave temporarily those that we love, how better could Al Willie have said it? It's time for my next step. And that's into his saving arms. God be with Paul Strand. God be with each of you. As perhaps at this time in our life, God is whispering to us, take the next step. Trust me. In our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, 7,000 promises are they wasted on your children. If fear rules the day, they're wasted. If shame or guilt rules the day, they're wasted. Fear, shame, and guilt, hatred, and vengeance, they cause us to remain paralyzed where we currently are. But when God breaks through, when the death and the resurrection of His Son breaks through into our life, when the power of the empty tomb comes rolling forth, when God says to us, let there be light, move forward, when God says the time for prayer is over, step into the waters, may our faith cause us to walk those paths they will glorify you and the kingdom, and they will bring us our peace. Such things we ask in our Savior's name. Amen.